Good evening. How are you guys? It's great to be before you again. Praising God for you guys, my redeemed family, certainly for redeemed friends. Want to thank God for our pastors, Bishop James F. Harris and Lady Sylvia Harris, our elders, our leaders, our ministers, and everybody that's just pressing on in the ministry. I'm so thankful to be before you tonight and to have an opportunity to serve. I'd like to share with you from a topic that's called By His Grace. I was inspired um, with this topic by our bishop when he preached on grace for the changing times. And, um, and then Minister Rand added on to that when he said we were picked for a purpose and Elder Fletcher, when he talked about Jesus is enough. So on tonight, I'd just like to share with you a bit or a tidbit or two about his grace and hopefully we'll be encouraged from that. Let us pause though for a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity yet again. Father, I ask that you use me according to your perfect will. Meet the needs of the people now, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Throw your weight around. You're invited to do what you please inside of me, through me. Lord, let these lips, this tongue, this mouth speak what you would have me to say, that we may give glory and honor to your precious and holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight our topic is by his grace. The subject of grace is actually, it's so vast. It is too comprehensive to actually sit and fully do it justice in one setting. But I do want to hone in on three facets on tonight. The one facet is we cannot earn grace. The second is we must extend grace to one another. And the third is that we must use the power of grace. So when we talk about grace, goodness, it's written about so much in the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. And we all typically, when we think about grace, we think about the undeserved, the unmerited favor of God. And certainly that is what grace is. And in some ways, this undeserved, unmerited favor of God has certainly been its extended to me and extended to you. Um, and then we also want to, in and of ourselves, from man to man, to be able to extend some type of grace one to another. This grace encompasses mercy, compassion, forgiveness, and love. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it's demonstrated by giving. And John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I want to take a moment here and thank God for his grace and his mercy. Had it not been for his grace and mercy, I don't know where I would be. And this whole redemption and the election of the saints of God, all of this is the working of grace. We now are living in the dispensation of grace. All of the covenants that God himself has established with his people, this all is due to the grace of God. And so we're so thankful for the undeserved, the unmerited favor of God. In addition to that, we also want to think about grace as God's ability or the power of God. And we'll talk about both of them. So now with that said, let us talk about how we can't earn grace. It is a gift. And I know many of us know this, but in this season of you know, giving in this holiday season, in this pandemic, with daylight savings time, 
what we find is that if most of us have been quarantined or separated, and what we'll find is that sometimes our thoughts might get a little bit jumbled. And so um, at least this was on my heart and the Lord blessed me with it. And I pray that it will bless you too. So again, the first thing has to do with we cannot earn grace. It is a gift from God. And the key scripture reference that I like to look at is 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Now this, this scripture is written by Paul. And Paul is actually saying, you know, if you go and look at verse nine, he's saying, I actually think I'm the least of all apostles. He's saying, I don't even think I'm worthy to be called an apostle. He says, because of some of the things that I've done in my past. But in first Corinthians 15 and 10, he goes on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. So, so I want to take a moment and deal with that. And so Paul says, but by the grace of God, that is the undeserved merit, the undeserved favor of God, by God's ability and by his power, I am what I am. Whether it's an apostle, whether it's someone who's written a good chunk of the New Testament, whether it's someone who has been able to set free and deliver, I am what I am by the grace of of God. And he's going on to make sure that we're very clear about the fact that he's not trying to boast in any of that. He knows that he's not who he is because of any great thing that he's done, but he knows he is who he is by faith in Jesus Christ and by the grace of God. And I want to take a moment here and say unto you and say unto me, we have to remind ourselves that we are who we are by the grace of God. It is not because we earned it. It is because as uh, Minister Rand said, God picked us for a purpose. And so we, we too can say that we are who we are by the grace of God. Now we can contrast what Paul is singing with what the other Pharisee said in Luke 18 and 11, when he stood and prayed within himself. And he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, that I'm not an extortioner or unjust or an adulterer, or even as the tax collectors, that I fast twice a week, that I give tithes of all that I possess and so on and so forth. He then is taking credit for all of these works that he's doing. But we don't want to be like him. We want to be like Paul, who says, for I am what I am by the grace of God. And I know that this was God's undeserved, unmerited favor towards me. I didn't do anything to get it and I don't have to earn it. So if you don't know, if you're joining us on tonight and you're not quite sure who this Jesus is that we're talking about and you don't know him in the pardoning of your sins, this grace too can be extended to you. There is nothing that you could have done that you can do that can cause God to not extend his grace unto you. And by the way, those of us who have already received the grace of God, we've got to make sure that we're letting other people know that we are who we are by the grace of God, that we're not trying to take credit for that. And then Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Now, this is a pivotal scripture and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so again, why is it that we're saying that? Well, one big thing is we've got to make sure that we know how we are who we are. And we've got to remind ourselves that we are who we are by the grace of God. And when we really stop and realize that we are who we are by the grace of God, then we can have a little bit more grace 
towards other people. When we start to realize that we were the ones who were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. And so when we know that was us and that God said, I still chose you on purpose, if you will, I picked you on purpose, then we can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And when we understand that we are who we are by the grace of God, we don't brag on the things that God has done for us. We don't brag on the things that God has delivered us into, if you will. We brag on the fact that it was the grace of God that enabled us to be who we are, to do who we are, to withstand what we've been able to withstand and to press through what we've been able to press through. This is what Paul says when he says, I boast in my infirmities. I'm not boasting because there's some weakness within me, but I'm boasting because God, you came in and when I was weak, you were strong. When I thought I was going to fall, you held me up. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I praise God for that because if it were not for the grace of God, again, I do not know where I would be. Last analogy here, and then I'll leave this part alone. So we're we're saying we are who we are by the grace of God, and we're recognizing that. And again, it's just impressed upon my spirit to talk about this a little bit more. You know, I was born a woman, and I was born a woman by the grace of God. I can't boast about being born a woman. Why? Well, because I didn't have anything to do with that. What I can do is I can press into it and make who I am all that I can be and bring glory to God, if you will. And so then likewise, we've got to make sure that we understand that this grace that was extended to us, it was extended to us before we stopped smoking. It was extended to many of us before we stopped drinking. And that means to get drunk. It was extended to many of us before we stopped lying, before we stopped fornicating, before we stopped doing things. And so when we realize that this grace was extended to us by pure election sake and because God picked us for a purpose, then again, we don't we won't brag on who we are. We won't brag on titles that we might have. We won't brag on any of those things because we know that it is by the grace of God. Amen. If we were to look in Romans, it talks about Abraham and it says that God had chosen him and God had extended grace unto him even before he'd come in line with circumcision. And that's what was going on along that time. It says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Verse three, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as death. This is not a a license to live how you want, but I just want to make sure that I drive that point home and put an exclamation point behind it to say that we are saved by grace. That not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. And if we are, then we want to praise God for that grace. And then we want to make sure we extend that grace unto others. And before we do that, if someone doesn't or have not experienced the grace of God, God is no respecter of persons. If he could save and deliver me, if he could set me free, then he can do the very same for you. He can do the very same for you. Amen. So that first little nugget that I'd like for us to focus in on is that we cannot earn this grace. It is given to us as a gift. And because he has done so very much 
for us. Because while we were yet within our sin, that he died on the cross. Now what he's challenging us to do is that by his grace, we want to now be great examples for him. And we want to be able to extend grace to others. And then we want to be able to use the power of his grace. And so when you see the topic that says, by his grace, by is sort of like an agent that performs the action. The thing that performs the action is the grace of God. Even though God is using my hands, my mouth, he's using my feet to actually carry it out. It is God's ability that is working on the inside of me. And it is God's ability that is working on the inside of you. So when we say by his grace, that's why Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that is because whatever God has enabled us to do, we have to give God glory for it. And we have to recognize that he didn't have to do it, but he did. And because he's been so kind and so gracious to us, then why wouldn't we extend grace one to another? And because it's by his grace, we have to make sure that we take stock and understand that it is important for us to extend grace one to another, and also to the lost. I'm reminded of a parable that Jesus told. And basically he said, um, he said, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And that payment he made. So in verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him his debt. That's the grace of God. Now, let me be clear. When it talked about the 10,000 talents, that 10,000 talents was an enormous sum. It would be 60 million days wages, a sum that would basically be impossible to pay. Does that remind you of anything? The debt that you and I owed. The debt that you and I owed because of the life that we lived and Christ himself forgave us for that. He said the debt is canceled and I'm going to throw your sins in the sea of unforgiveness. And he released us from that debt. And likewise, Christ is sharing this parable here with believers. And what he is saying is that let's look at this parable. Let's look at this person who was owed a great deal. But the man fell down and he asked for forgiveness. And what happened? He released the debt. But let's look at what this same man did in verse 28. Again, we're looking at, um, we're looking in verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a lot less than what he had been forgiven. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But the servant who had just been forgiven, he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he could pay that debt. And what I want to say about that on tonight is when you and I have been extended such amazing grace, we have been forgiven our debt. By his grace, 
We want to make sure that we are extending grace to others. We want to make sure that we're extending grace to our loved ones, to our family members, and even to those who have offended and hurt us. If we're not extending grace to others, then we have to challenge and say, how is it that we can be such great recipients of the grace that God has extended towards us? And in this parable, that fellow, when he saw, when the other servant saw what had been done, he says, wow, I'm grieved by this. And he said, then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. And so what I want to say here is because we then are who we are by the grace of God. We know that we didn't earn it. We know that we weren't perfect. We're not perfect. So then we want to make sure that we are extending that grace to our fellow man, that we are extending that same grace to those who may have harmed us, that we are extending that same grace to those who may have offended us, that we are extending that same grace to those who may even have judged us. Why do we have to do this? Because this is what Christ has called us to do. And as we are extending this grace, and you might say, well, Jessica, I really don't know. I don't know if I'm able to extend this grace to certain people. And, you know, I want to talk to you about that. Before I get to it, though, I want to go back to by his grace. It's not you really who have to do it. You just have to yield to the spirit of God that's on the inside. Because if we are going to walk in the fullness of Christ, if we are going to do the greater works, we are going to have to do it by his grace. It's going to be his grace, his power, and his ability that enables us to do it. We're not going to be able to be consumed with self and have the power of God raining down. And my brothers and my sisters, I say on tonight, in these times, in these circumstances, we indeed need the power of God. We need the power of God in our lives. We need the power of God in our families. We need the power of God in our homes. Even though we're not coming together one with another in the church. We're fellowshipping virtually, but we need the power of God. We need to be speaking out the word of God in our homes because the devil is like a roaring lion and he is running around seeking whom he may devour. And we are not trying to give any place to the adversary. So when we understand that we've been granted so much grace, we want to make sure that we are graciously extending that same grace one to another. Luke 6, 37 and 42 says it this way. I'm just going to read an excerpt from it, but it says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, I want to say, we want to make sure that we extend that grace one to another because whatever I'm extending and whatever I'm giving to someone else, it's going to be measured back unto me and sometimes multiplied, pressed down and running over. So if I'm extending no grace, then I'm getting that back, if you will. If I'm extending much grace, then I'm getting that back as well, a good measure of it. So ask yourself, based on what I'm extending, am I getting a good measure of that back? And is that what I want to get back? And it, what if it's pressed down 
shaking together and running over. Do I want what's running over to be the grace that's being extended to me? If I'm extending grace to other people, am I then getting them extending grace back to me? Yes, that's what we want. We cannot just assume that we don't extend grace to others, but then we expect others to extend grace back to us. No, no, no. It says forgiven, you will be forgiven. Given, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. If I was in the country, I would say, mind how you sow. Because whatever you sow, that ye shall also reap. And at the end of the day, we want to be the fullness of God because we were chosen. We were picked for a purpose. And Bishop, our Bishop taught us that we have grace for these changing times. And he did an amazing job with all of that. But I want to talk to you tonight about how Jesus is indeed enough. And so now that we know that Whatever it is that we're doing, we're doing it by his grace. And we can't earn this grace. It was a gift from God. Even if I've done some of the most atrocious things, I can still receive the grace of God. And then once I receive it, I can't forget what God has done for me. I can't start forgetting what God delivered me from and then become judgmental about other people. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she did that. But God will say, just run back in your memory bank and remember what you did and remember what you have done and remember what you've been forgiven for. And if I've extended that grace to you, then please, please extend that grace to someone else. Let your love indeed shine through. And so as we extend that grace to others, the last thing that I want to say is we have to kind of use the power of grace. So when I talk about using the power of grace, really, again, it's God's ability working in us, making us able to do what we can't do in our own ability. We must use the power of grace to forgive what seems to be the unforgivable. We must use the power of grace to endure what seems to be the unendurable. We must use the power of grace to resist what seems to be the irresistible. And so when I say that, what I'm saying is there are going to be situations, and you may have situations right now, where you feel like, I can't do anything about this. I don't have anything left. I would submit unto you, you're at the right place if that's a situation for you. Because God says, my grace is sufficient. When you are weak, that is when I'm strong. And so it's by his grace that we want to be able to extend grace unto others. And when we say we want to forgive the unforgivable, yes, it's not for them, but it is for me. Because I know that whatever I give is going to be given back to me. And I want to give out the light. I want to give out the word of God because that's what I want coming back to me. I'm doing that because it prepares me for my future and my inheritance, not only to me, but to my children and my children's children. So we want to use the grace of God and the power of his grace, if you will, to forgive what seems unforgivable. We also want to use it to endure what seems unendurable. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, it could be depending on what you are enduring. It could be loneliness. It could be feeling low. It could be anxiety. It could be sickness. It could be disappointment. You know, it's typically during these times that people can start to have thoughts that can almost challenge their relationship 
with our Lord and Savior. And so there's some things that some people will go through and if they ruminate on it long enough, it can really challenge them. But I submit unto you, we must use the power of grace, if you will, to endure what seems to be that you cannot endure. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, Paul said that he had a thorn in his side and he said that he sought the Lord three times that in asking, hey, can you take this thing from me? And God said unto him, my grace is sufficient for you, meaning my grace, my power, my ability is sufficient for you to endure this. And he went on to say, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What do you mean by that? What God is saying is that when you think you can't do anymore, that's you right where I want you. Now I can step in. This didn't happen by circumstance. I understand that you were picked for a purpose. I didn't pick you because you were so perfect, but I chose you for a pure election sake. And because I chose you for election sake, I'm going to have to use some of this adversity to get you to where I need you to be. But I need you to use my grace and my power and my ability on the inside of you to connect you or link you to those things when you don't think you can link there. And so what God is saying is that, yes, even if it is something that's endurable, even if it's something that's sort of like, and I don't know if you can understand this feeling, but there are times when people can have challenges where there's a yearning on the inside of them, where they just don't have peace, or they can have such disappointment about things that have happened in their life that they cannot find purpose in it. They can't understand what God is doing in that situation. What I would submit unto you on tonight is that God's grace is indeed sufficient. If that is where you are, you're right where God wants you because then now his grace can step in. You just must allow him to step in. He says that, therefore, most glad I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That is when the power comes in. I know it sounds contradictory. I know it's not comfortable, but when we are down, when we are struggling, when there is an issue, that is when God is strongest and that is when he is best on the inside of us. So we must indeed use the power of grace to endure those things that seem unendurable. Amen. And then this um, last part, we must use the power of grace to resist what seems irresistible. I'm just going to say it the way Paul said it in Romans 7 and 19. He says, for the good that I will do, I don't do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Then he says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But in verse 25, we have our answer. It says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There are some things that may be pulling on us, there are some things that, you know, may be pressing us that may be, as Bishop could say, um, the normal for these times. But what Paul is saying is that there's a warring that's going to happen within our flesh. We understand that. But God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, he gives us the grace and the ability to manage those, to deal with those infirmities, to deal with those insufficiencies. And I want to talk to you a moment about how to best do that. So we are human. And so God created us all with yearnings on the inside of us. And so we would have to make sure that we don't confuse these yearnings and these um, that we have with that God is calling us to fill us more with his word and more with his spirit. We are created with a void that needs to be filled. Psalms 34 and 10 says, the young lion lacks and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And so because there is some lack within us, some of us may have these cravings and these drives and these desires for things that may not be God-like, but those, those 
We can't get that confused. We can't get those thoughts and those cravings, those desires, those ideas that we're having with the fact that if there is a yearning, we actually should be learning for Jesus Christ. And what happens is we will replace it with natural carnal things. We will replace it with too much TV. We will replace it with other things that might satisfy our, our flesh. Matthew 5 and 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but they shall be filled. And I want to submit unto you that if there is some yearning on the inside of you, know that that is God drawing you unto him. Don't confuse that yearning with natural carnal things, but lean on the grace of God and know that if there is a yearning, it is God trying to draw you closer unto him. Read your word, get in your word, get in your Bible, get in your prayer. Use the grace of God to be able to do that. And you might say, well, you know, it's just, just not happening as smoothly for me, Jessica. Well, you get more of what you've been spending time with. So if you spend a whole lot of time watching TV, you get real good at watching TV. If you spend a whole lot of time doing things, doing other things, you get good at it. The more we spend time reading his word, the better we'll get at that. The more time we spend in prayer, the better we get at that, the more comfortable we get at that. So we want to make sure that we reinforce the things of God. We want to spend time with God because we understand that we are at war right now. And we understand that we do need the grace of God. And because his grace has been extended to us, we like Paul, we don't want it to be in vain. That's what he said when he says, but I labor more abundantly. He says, his grace towards me was not in vain. And what he's saying is, I'm going forth. I'm striving. I've got some things that are hurting me. I've got some challenges, but I'm striving. I'm pressing forth. I'm pressing for the prize of the high calling. He said, I've got some people who are offending me, but I'm, I'm forgiving them. I've got some people who are pressing me on every side, but I'm moving on. I've got some yearnings in my flesh. I've got some things that I've thought about doing, but I'm not. What he's saying is that Jesus is the answer for all of that. And I'm going to press into him because of the grace of God. It is the power of God's ability to do each and everything that God has called us to do. And we must press into it. We must press into the grace of God because it is the ability of God to do what God has called us to do. You don't have to do it on your own. You do have to yield though to the grace of God. You have a choice. We are humans and we were created with a choice and with a will. We can choose God's way or we can choose another way. And many times we think, and you know, the enemy is kind of tricky because I don't want to give him any glory, but he will make us feel like we've got to make the decision right away. No, pause, think for a moment, speak the word of God over that situation and let that urge, let that whatever that is pass from you so that you can rightly choose the way of God. The object is for Jesus Christ to meet our needs. The object is for him to give us what we need. God gave us every ability to meet each and every need that we have. He gave us an ability to create our own reality. We were created in the image of God. And because we were, he gave us an ability to establish our own reality. What is reality, you might say? I'm glad you asked. That which is real, an actual thing, a situation or an event. But keep in mind, our reality is subjective and it is rooted in our feelings, our attitudes and our beliefs. And so from this perspective, we've got to make sure that we understand that I'm not going to believe believe what the world says. I'm not going to believe that I've got to go through a 12-step program. I'm not going to believe that I've got to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to believe that by the grace of God, I can overcome those challenges because the grace of
of God is dwelling on the inside of me. And it gives me the power to do what God has called me to do. And so if you look at Matthew 8 and 13, it says, from this perspective, life is done to us as we have believed. In this scripture, the centurion servant said, he asked Jesus, can you just speak only a word and my servant will be healed? And Jesus responded and said in verse 13, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done unto you. Also in, in Matthew 9 and 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be unto you. We do have the power to create our reality. Our bishop told us that we have to speak it out of our mouths, that we have to watch our thinking, because if you look at your thinking and look at what you are thinking, then your actions fall and follow in the direction of what you're thinking. Whatever we agree upon and establish through harmony, constant use, it will ultimately define our reality for us. Mark eleven twenty three says, for surely I say to you, Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. We must make sure that our mental furniture is in the right place. We must believe that God wants us to win. What we believe can make us into a success or into a failure. It can cause us to overcome or cause us to struggle. It can cause us to be free or cause us to be in bondage. It can help us or it can hurt us. It can lift us up, it can tear us down. It can make us love, it can make us hate. It can make us laugh or it can make us cry. It can make us advance or make us retreat. What we believe can make us a winner or a whiner. Your thoughts control the way you react to situations. Your life can grow or shrink, thrive or fail. It all depends on how you think. So at the end of the day, if the thought life, it's the thought life, according to Mark 7 and 20, that defiles you. And we want to make sure that we are thinking on the grace of God, that we understand that if Jesus could endure the cross, despising the shame by the grace of God, how was he able to do that? Jesus was grace walking. He was grace walking. He was God's ability walking. He was man and he was God. And it was God's ability that allowed him to adore the cross, despising the shame. It was God's ability that allowed him to extend grace to those who didn't deserve it. It was God's ability that allowed him to resist every temptation that was presented unto him. It can be done. God demonstrated it to us and it was God's ability. And on tonight, I'm saying unto you, it is with God's ability, the grace of God, that we can be Christ-like, that we can walk into the fullness of God. I, I submit unto you that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. It didn't say that it wouldn't be formed. It will be formed, but it shall not prosper. And then 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 lets us know that even though we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. What do you mean by that? Yes, I've taken some blows. I've taken some hits. I've experienced some things that I don't like, but God's grace is sufficient in this matter. I'm going to hold on to God. And as a matter of fact, I know that he's holding on to me. There are a few times that I might have let go, but he just held me close and wouldn't let me go. And then 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance to every good work. My sisters and my brothers and my friends on tonight, we must acknowledge the grace of God. We must remind ourselves that we ourselves were the recipients of some pretty amazing grace, something that we didn't deserve. 
Let's make sure that we extend that grace one to another. Let's use that grace to encourage one another. We need to be encouraged along about now. Let's not wait until someone is all the way down and start to speak well of them. Let's take the time to speak well of them right now. The other thing is, as we are challenged, because these weapons will form, let us use God's grace his power and his ability to help us combat this enemy. We are in a war, but the victory is already fixed. We must acknowledge it. Let us not get deceived. Let us not think that we will be overcome. We will not be. Just because the weapon forms, it doesn't mean that it's going to prosper. Why? Because of God's grace. If you're feeling weak, God is stepping in and ready to stand strong. On tonight, I want to make sure you know that when you feel like you've given it all, God gives more. I'd like to end with this poem that was um, written by Annie John Flint and quoted by John R. Rice. It says, he giveth more. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplied peace. When he have exhausted, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. You play my strength in the Lord. I'm believing God for victory. Thank you.